Welcome to The Gray Report. I'm your host, Spencer Gray. And if you're a multifamily investor, whether you're active, passive, somewhere in the middle, or maybe just you've been working in the industry for years, maybe decades, well, The Gray Report is the one YouTube show and podcast that we've designed specifically for you to keep you up to date with all the new information, trends, research going on in the multifamily industry. We're covering the multifamily industry, but also housing and the general macro economy so you can have the best information to make some really good and well-informed decisions. As is every week, a lot of movement in the markets, in news, with multifamily industry, in the macro economy. We've got reports from Moody's. We're looking at some data from the U.S. Census Bureau, the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States, MSCI, RealPage, Bercadia, Apartmentless. We've got a jam-packed episode for you today, so you want to stick around the entire time. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a like so you can get every single one of these videos and updates. All right, let's get into it. All right, everyone, welcome back to The Gray Report. I'm joined again with my co-host, Dr. Matt Bosnagel, Director of Communications and Marketing here at Gray Capital, um, guy who's kind of an engineer of The Gray Report. So if you're getting the newsletter coming out weekly, it's the best multifamily newsletter in the industry, Matt. That's the that's what we hear from every single subscriber, just, just about. I mean, a lot of great accolades. It's not just, hey, this is what we did last week, but it's this yeah. is what you need to know. Um, and it's mostly read by industry insiders, owners, and operators. Mm -hmm. Guys are doing thousands of deals a year, or sorry, thousands of units a year. Those are the people who are actually paying attention to our newsletter. When I see who's reading it, it's the people who are doing this every single day. And so this is a tool for industry insiders. So if you are an industry insider or you want to be, you're trying to get that knowledge up, um, we're, we, we're so humbled that you're using not only the YouTube uh, show and channel, but also the newsletter as a great yeah. resource and tool to do that. So you can sign up for the newsletter, greatcapitalllc.com slash newsletter. Again, it comes out every single week, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Matt, a lot of these articles were featured on the newsletter this week. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot more on the newsletter. Um, but what what's, what was your general sense of the mood from the market? How are you feeling? Uh, How are so you feeling today? It's a Thursday. How are you feeling? So this, this is what I titled the, the newsletter was, the cracks are starting to form yeah, in apartment prices, in apartment prices. And... Um, and they're not bad cracks, I don't think. Okay. You know, we're in, we're actually in the hole. The cracks we're seeing, we're seeing light through the end of the tunnel, maybe some softening of prices and something that's really attractive uh, for buyers and investors. Because the other sign that I got, the other upshot really, was that um, rent growth is trending positive. Um, we're maybe approaching pre-pandemic normal when it comes to uh, like vacancy and apartment demand, but um, we're definitely moved out of the like seasonality hump of, of the winter. Yep. We're moving into the renter, renting season and we're not seeing sustained rent declines and stuff. So, Well, and, and that tracks with a still elevated recession in the economy still mm -hmm. coming along and very low um, unemployment rates and very yeah. few job losses. And maybe there, we've been talking about some potential pent up demand. People are just putting off some of those big decisions from last year. Yeah, maybe people are are kind of bored and tired, and they're ready to make some of those decisions. But yeah, I mean, typically as inflation stays elevated, rent growth stays elevated. Also, um, not that they always they're not going to always move in lockstep, but mm -hmm. it, it it makes sense with yeah. the labor market being so tight and entering a little bit of a wage price spiral potentially, which could be a, a little bit. Um, 
unnerving. But yeah. well, that's the other angle that I that yeah. I noticed. At, you know, it was it's been a, about a week out since the release of last month's minutes from the FOMC meeting. And um, they they want us to be pretty scared of what of what they and by they I mean, the Fed wants us, I think, to be pretty scared of what they could do to the economy in terms of raising up interest rates to uh, to really uh, cool off the economy. So they uh, uh, they don't want us to forget it. I don't think oh, well, it, if we have to remember, I mean, monetary policy can take a long time to like, yeah. get through the system. And it has not yet been like 12 months since they started you know, raising rates. And that's a really good point. And I, I'm not sure if I, I, I was definitely thinking about that as I wrote it. I was like, well, they're thinking about all this bad stuff, but like there's a lagging indicator they really haven't uh, addressed. Yeah. And I'm hoping that they're thinking about that because a lot of the writings and a lot of the research that comes out of the Fed acknowledges at least, uh, you know, at the very least like home, home prices and, uh, and rents are about a year off from the CPI. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we, we've got uh, the, the, not, Everything has unfolded just yet. We're going to yeah. have a lot more things happen over the next couple of months and probably the next, you know, six to eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're not out of the woods yet, but I, I agree. I think that it's maybe some of the cracks are getting wider, but maybe we can see some of the light at the end of the yeah. crack tunnel yeah. or whatever it may Led be. <laughs> because, <laughs> because even if, again, like in a touring property the other yesterday, and right now for on acquisitions, it's like, okay, maybe the prices are getting closer, mm-hmm. but there's still this transaction risk of I'm gonna go under a contract I'm gonna go under contract today with you know interest rates being where they are, but then, you know, in sixty, ninety days when I close, they can oh, they yeah. can completely move. And it's not even the Fed funds rate, it's the you know, the volatility in the bond market in general and whether it's the ten year moving or the typically it's the ten year when you're talking about, you know, mortgage rates. Um, I mean, we've moved 50 basis points from a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, we did two deals last, three deals last year, and in the middle of it, the 10-year moved 100 basis points. Completely wreck a deal. I mean, you have to have tough conversations. And a lot of um, buyers it, don't want to put themselves into a situation where they're spending a lot of money and the, and the deal could turn. But even if they were open to taking on that type of risk, you know, you the deals just aren't penciling with mm-hmm. the debt that you'd have to put on the property and the prices that yeah. sellers are still, I mean, I don't know how many That's... times this, this week and in the last week, I mean, yeah. talking to sellers or through brokers or whatever, still looking at, you know, these people who have product, you know, that is not the sexiest deal and they're still going for four caps well that's what i said yesterday when when jay came back um jay does a lot of our acquisitions i said was it another uh 2023 sale for 2022 prices because that's what it's like it's like we're at the early half of 2022 people just haven't really caught on yeah and i I think that there were I think you're right. I think some people, there's some FOMO also. Some people who are like considering selling and they're like, prices yeah. are great. I could sell. And then the market started shifting and they're like, oh, okay, I need to sell. Okay, just throw it out there. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I mean, if no one bites, then nobody mm-hmm. bites. But that's the thing. Like, I don't know how many people are biting right so now. So I think one of the big motivators, yes, it's like, will it work? Can we wait one or two years? Can we make it work with mezzanine debt, whatever, for distressed yeah. properties? That, that may be one issue. But the another is this fear that... If I sell tomorrow, is it going to be a lower price? Right now, they're thinking maybe it'll stay the same. Maybe sure. I can ride this out. But how much are we going to crank up the fear? And and some of these numbers yesterday, yeah, yeah, they're like sell now or or yeah or sell for a less price in a year. So now, if you have a, it really only becomes a tough decision if you have a short time horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got a year, two years, you have some hard decisions that you're going to have to make. And and 
you're gonna have to take some risk in, yeah. in one direction or the other. But if you've got um, three, even three years, five, seven to 10, mm -hmm. um, you have a lot more options. Time is everyone. And today, if you have time, you have a lot more options. Mm -hmm. And that is something that this cornerstone of, has been a cornerstone of our investment strategy is to use time to our advantage and not have time working against us. Yeah. Because there's a lot of different ways you can invest in a lot of different things where you can be, you can be in the go have the right direction, but mess up the timing. Mm -hmm. um, and if time is a major variable, we're just, we're not good at planning. We're not good at timing, just yeah. humans in general. And if you are, that's, but I, I learned quite a, few, quite a few years ago that that's not something that I'm an expert in. And I think. Yeah. I, well, and there's are. so many times where people have the right idea. They just didn't have the right idea at the right time. Yeah. And, uh, and you can really screw yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great property to buy. Absolutely. It's a great piece of real estate. There's growth, but. You have to sell in a year, and that growth happens in two years. Yeah, you, you missed out. Yeah, yeah. The recession happened oof, in your short time frame. Well, if you had time, wouldn't matter. Be a blip. You get through it. Yeah. But if you need everything to line up and happen in a certain sequence or order, it becomes harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Um, let's move, Matt. Let's let's get into this. These totally. We got a lot of reports, a lot of data. Mm -hmm. um, we've gone through our, you know, just little anecdotes here and there. But let's jump into this apartment list. All um, right. Yes. Let's let's jump in this apartment list report right here. This first thing that I'm mm -hmm. saying, Matt, um, and, and uh, as you mentioned here on the notes, um, we've got a interview coming up um, with apartment list. So we're going to be able to dig into a lot more details. But for this report, because we feature them all the time, and that's why we wanted to have them on the show. What's going on? Yeah. Welcome to March. So yeah, quick update here again. I'm going to, this is the second of three teasers that I'll make uh, for an upcoming Gray Report episode. Uh, Spencer's going to be speaking with the head of research apartment list, Igor Popov, and uh, talking about this report and some other recent reports in apartment list. So that being said, I do want to fly through this report and call out a couple of figures before they deal with it in detail later. Year over year rent growth is 3%, um, and that compares Roughly, it's a little bit above the average uh, from 2018 to 2019, which was 2.8%. So we're about normal there. Month-over-month um, month rent growth is 0.3%, actually after five months of negative rent growth. And if you expand that 0.3% out, we get, what, 4.2 if it's if we have a full year of 0.3% rent growth. So that's that's a good sign. Again, I, I take it more of as a sign we're emerging out of this seasonal slump that we had um, in this kind of reaction to the high high rent growth of uh, 2021 yeah. and 2022. Um, I think it's always too early, it seems like, to call a trend a trend, um, but I, I don't think so here. Rent growth has been getting less and less negative since November, and now the third month, uh, and, and now the third month into this positive trend um, really the fourth month, uh, we're actually finally seeing positive rent growth above negative instead of simply less negative rent growth. And then one small item before moving on, um, uh, apartment lists interactive map of rent growth in different markets. Um, it, I was I was drawn into it weirdly this uh, this week more than others. Um, it, this one, Matt? Uh, no, no, it's actually it's an actual map, not the one that confuses me. <laughs> oh, we well, we can ask uh, Igor about. This. Yes, yes. We should... so it has some artistic aesthetic value. I just don't. I can't understand it yet. <laughs> um, but they have a map of of 
total rent growth of, of market since the start of the pandemic. And then they have the month over month and then the year over year um, at this uh, on this map. It's a little interactive map at the bottom of the apartment list article. Um, at first, I was really uh, I, I really loved it because you could see how much each market grew since the beginning of pandemic. Well, once we were once we were well into the pandemic, I was like, all right, maybe we need to switch. I'm back into it. I'm back into it now because we have a clear stratification of how things were moving two years ago, one year ago, one month ago, and you can see um, a real story uh, emerge in in the long term, medium term, and short term performance of some of these markets. So just to take one example, and then and then I'll get out of your way. <laughs> um, Chicago enjoyed a healthy 5.1% yearly rent growth and a 0.9 monthly rent growth that's still among one of the strongest. Um, but since the pandemic, it has only had 6.1% rent growth, far less than like the 20 plus rent growth seen in other markets since the pandemic. So that that story for Chicago is a similar, um, you can see kind of similar numbers for Boston, where you can notice some of these markets that haven't, that didn't grow at all during the pandemic, now they're kind of bouncing back, but other ones really performed very strongly um, during the pandemic, and now they're not not doing so uh, not doing so well, but you get that you get that story in um, in this map. Whereas before, maybe it was it's a little bit more overlapping. So yeah. I appreciated it. I got I, I dove into it, and you can really zoom in and get it, and get in a lot of these submarkets. It's really um, it's really nice the level of information that apartment list just openly provides. I even started clicking into um, their individual market reports. Yeah, it's really great. There's like grass for everything. They've, they've got a, they've got a really good machine. Yeah, I know they really stay on top. Of that. That's what I'm excited for, to have Igor on and really kind of get into. Um... Not only just the methodology, mm -hmm. just you know how they go about it and how they put the information together. Yeah, and um, you learn more about it. So we talk about it just about on a weekly basis. Yeah, I'm in the great report. It's great. So that's a teaser. <laughs> Again, this is all I'll say on this report, except to give an additional teaser to tune in into an exciting guest appearance by the head of research at Apartmentless, Igor Popov. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned, everybody. I'm sure there'll be a link in the comments or, you know, a little like look, one of those pop up little things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll add a little, little annotation little, little, or whatever. Yeah. Or the can pop at the end. We can make sure that that video pops up. Yeah, yeah. Might as well. Okay, Matt, let's just uh, switch to property values and the Fed. We got a little bit from, we got minutes that came mm -hmm. out. Federal Reserve. We're talking about last week. They hadn't come out just yet. We were we were anticipating them. So now, so F-M-O-C- Federal open last week they they released these were we're about a week late but they're still um very much jive with a lot of the discussions that were happening it was almost like they released these minutes and then there were a bunch of different sources and reports that were um, kind of covering them and breaking them down and expanding on some of the ideas specifically that they rose um, so I think that the headlines in in some of those reaction articles were focused on. Maybe once passage specifically, which I'll quote here, it says the staff provided an update on its assessment of the stability of the financial system and on balance characterized the financial vulnerabilities of the U.S. financial system as moderate. The staff judged that asset valuation pressures remained notable. In particular, the staff noted that measures of valuations in both residential and commercial property markets remained high and that the potential for large declines in property prices remained greater than usual. Um, later, the notes mentioned vulnerabilities in the, in the financial system associated with higher 
interest rates, including the elevated valuations for some categories of assets, particularly in the CRE section sector. Um, I think this is this is their red flag and they're using it. They're almost catching it in this word that's elevated. Oh, they were already high already and we're just going to knock them back down. Um, at least they don't characterize the effect of higher interest rates as returning to normal, but it's a small comfort to CRE owners that the Fed's notes describe falling valuations as a vulnerability. Yeah. Um, I think this is a, you know, if you read it in a certain way, um, it's a way of them saying like, get ready. We could really well, and Jay Powell's may has made comments, you know, all the way back to last summer mm -hmm. of you know talk of basically saying, you know, um, the real, you know, there was some good should be some pain in real estate based on where it was, and yeah, and said like, hey, if you're looking to buy a house right now, maybe I'd wait a little bit. I think prices yeah. might be lower. Um, so they they they've kind of they haven't stated that um, knocking the housing market down a little bit as part of their goals, but I think that that is is part of that. Of yeah. just one area of the economy that's really seen some heat over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely time to be cautious, especially in those markets that have seen the those really crazy yeah. run-ups. And another thing that was released, and we'll get to it in just a second, was some of their stress tests. Yeah. Um, but at least in the minutes of their meeting, um, more than the stress tests, they really talk about this inflation danger and they don't want inflation to become un unanchored. Um, not, they don't want it to be untethered or unmoored uh, from the steady hand of our betters at the Federal Reserve. Exactly. Um, Here's what I think, and this is, <laughs> and you'll have to forgive me uh, for uh, for this reference I'm about to make here. What I can only hope is that the Federal Reserve, at the same time that it's thinking about prices like unanchored boats swirling into a vortex, maybe the Fed also thinks about the lagging effects of interest rate increases. So some assets are going, and some markets are going to react quickly to these interest rate hikes, and some it's going to be a long time coming. Um, in so we're talking all about these anchors. Do you think they don't know? I think. I, well, I think really they're. Stat. You know, it's I mean, like. Do we? I mean, okay. So let's say you know, Matt. Not Matt. You and I are. Um, okay, our knowledge is is, is what it is. We mm -hmm. have a YouTube show. I mean, yeah. oh, do we own and operate a couple? You know, thousands, thousands of apartment units. Yes, but uh, I'm just you know look at look at all these fancy folks on here. Really nice titles. I mean, we got. Um, a big staff of folks. You think that like this can't be news to them, right? Or well, I think it's a question of priorities. And like, yeah, they know about it, but they've got a lot of other things to worry about. And if this thing is happening too much in the future, it's easy to not. They've really... got a lot of things to worry about. Yeah, but I mean, like, isn't this like a pretty important thing to worry about? Well, for for Maybe whatever reason, it seems like they're. Uh, I, I get the feeling that they don't really care as much <laughs> about the threat of lower CRE prices as much as the threat of unanchored. Oh, oh yeah, no, for sure. Inflation. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like, this is what we have to do to bring it down. Yeah. It's they don't care about it. I mean, they don't really care about asset class, about yeah. asset prices, unless it starts to actually affect now, their balance sheet or their mandates. When it comes to their stress testing, I think that it's a little bit different. And, and they did provide some updates to their baseline and they're severely adverse test scenarios um, on page 21 and 22 of the PDF of the stress test. And we're going to include that link in the show description. Um, there's the full stages, um, but essentially the adverse scenario is one in which a widespread recession sends employment down, interest rates down, inflation down, but asset prices down at well as well. Uh, um, even though 
CRE asset devaluations would be strongest in the uh, office and hotel sectors, all of them are expected to go down. Um, some nearly forty uh, percent, you know, overall CRE, and uh, and nearly like thirty seven percent for for multifamily. Um, really, I, I I think that this is their worst in, in, and I'm not sure exactly how what their dictates their adverse uh, case scenario. But it seems like, at least in this one, their adverse case is we hiked up interest rates so much it caused a recession, and this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, hey, you want low inflation? You want low interest rates? We'll give you low everything. We'll give you low employment. We'll give you low money. <laughs> and and in that case, it's like uh, it is a, a real night nightmare scenario, and it doesn't seem as likely as their baseline. Their baseline is almost kind of interesting because it's showing what they think is going to happen. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a baseline. Um, So with that being said, and you can see the adverse, but adverse scenario is definitely like low, low everything. Um, Baseline features an initial slowdown and then a gradual recovery. The unemployment rises steadily from just over three and a half percent at the end of 2022 to near 5%. Um, by the first quarter of 2024, and then it goes down from there. Real GDP growth declines a little bit, is negative uh, three quarters by the middle of 2023, and then gets to about two and a quarter percent by the second half of 2024, and kind of settles in from there. Inflation is uh, it steadily goes down from a little less than three and a quarter percent to a trough of maybe two percent in the second quarter of 2024 and but you know hovers around that area and the three-month treasury rate increases from around four percent at the end of 2022 around the four and three quarters mm. max uh in the second quarter of 2023 and then it goes to about three percent by the end of the scenario so basically you know it's a it is, you know, no, no catastrophe, <laughs> but it, but it is a tapering. It's not like they're snapping their fingers and everything's going back to normal. They, all, they also anticipate things will get a little worse than a little better than a little normal. Um, so they're, yeah. they're even seeing some ripple effects. I think that the headline for the, for the adverse scenario, this enormous forty or thirty-seven percent asset devaluation, depending on what assets you're holding, um, that is, uh, that's really, really uh, the scary headline that everyone you know that everyone kind of glommed onto but in well, that, they, can, they can't not put that out there yeah yeah and but and, and what was interesting about that is that actually that low point happens in q4 2024 so yeah. it's not like assets would decrease a while all yeah yeah so. makes sense yeah makes sense yeah no, i think the feds is in a tough spot right now because they're not going to be able to get inflation under control at unemployment rates so low and we just had another um you know jobless claims number mm-hmm. that came out i believe this this morning yeah um and still i mean it's like 190 some thousand jobless claims which is basically nothing a yeah. drop in the bucket and we so we just still have an incredibly tight labor market and they're not going to be holding up anytime soon and they have to are going to have they they're going to have to break some things yeah like the labor market and maybe part of the real estate market and some other markets to to get unemployment where they um and as high as they to get it to that five percent and that leads really well i think to this next article from moody's yeah they're like it's going to be sustained sustained inflation this is the re- regime um I, I didn't like the the two percent commitment as the name of the, the the title is is not as accurate i think is as talking about a new economic regime of a little bit elevated inflation and a little bit of elevated interest rates yeah um 
it's it's not going to be as comfortable as, as some things, but it but it could very well happen. And that's what Mar Moody's is kind of arguing and saying, well, what might happen afterwards? Um, and it, it's a short article, but I think that it does have like kind of crucial reminders. And it says the Fed claims to be committed to the 2% target, 2% inflation target. And the and they may really mean it, although the hawkish statements are expected given the negative consequences of unanchored expectations, but the likelihood of achieving this rate anytime soon remains relatively small. In contrast, the likelihood of a new higher inflation, higher interest rate regime is growing daily. Um, I think that the Fed officials have mythologized Volcker as this hero with all the right ideas who stood as a stalwart, yeah. you know, stood against the clamoring masses and chaotic inflation monitoring hordes to bring peace and order to the economy. I think they love thinking of themselves as that. Warriors. Um, why can't, why, why not a warrior for, uh, for low inflation? And why does high inflation get to be a hawk, brave, soaring? proud and then low inflation or i'm sorry high interest rates and then low interest rates has to be a dove hawks can beat up doves every single day i'd always want to be the hawk that's not fair well whatever yeah that has something to do with it as all i'm saying um but <laughs> but i think that we are entering this new it is yeah. it does seem likely that we'll that we're in this we're both are going to be high it's going to be a hard fought a hard fought battle and it's not going to be over anytime soon I don't think so. I mean, I think that if you ask most people back in 20, 2020, 2021, if we were still having this conversation in 2023, people, a lot of people would be surprised. I mean, yeah. this whole conversation of transitory and uh, there, I think, oh, yeah. you know, I think it, it's not a, it, there's more gray than black and white. I mean, there were, there were some things that were transitory, you know, supply chain stuff like that took longer. That transit was, had a longer period than we thought, but it was yeah. somewhat transitory. But now we've got all this other, but the effects of inflation in general um, is not as transitory yeah. and it's really, what's your definition of transitory? Uh, what your, what period are we talking about? Yeah. You know, what's our scope of reference? Are we mm -hmm. within a couple of years, 10 years, a hundred years, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, a couple of years and a hundred year scale looks very, is a blip. Mm -hmm. I could say that the entire interest, high interest rate period of the mid late seventies and early eighties, it was a blip mm -hmm. in the scope of, um, you know, a couple hundred years, but certainly wasn't, didn't feel transitory or a blip when you were, if you were li living through that period, it was an entire era. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so are we dealing with, well, how long of an era are yeah. we really going to be dealing with? Is it a five, I think, is it a five year, 10 year? I, I don't see it. I think we're going to be in a new regime in probably, yeah. you know, 10 years, but mm -hmm. over the next couple of years, yeah, I wouldn't be expecting, um, you know, sub um, two percent inflation, at least on like the average. I think you know yeah. in the winter months. Yeah, sure. You know, not seasonally adjusted or seasonally adjusted. Yeah, but yeah, where it's going to be. I mean, before the pandemic, I mean, we weren't even. Hit, I mean, two percent. We were struggling to hit two percent. The issue was mm -hmm. that we were we were growing too slow when they needed some inflation. Yeah, for what you wish for. I I do think that like. In terms of which assets are going to be doing well in this in this environment, and and I've said this before, you know, the high in interest rates is going to make buying and selling a little harder, um, and it and it may make buying a home a little harder. But Moody's themselves talks about how well higher inflation may not be a significant problem for multifamily, as demand tends to be pretty pretty inelastic with landlords relatively easy easily passing higher costs along to renters. So yeah. high inflation, we can respond to that. Um, as long no, as it's not it, stagflation. It, it's the consistency. Yeah, stagflation is a problem. Which we are dealing with a little bit of, I think, stagflation as, you know, at least in a temporary period of 
last quarter of rents declining as expenses can have continued to rise. But as we mentioned earlier, rents should still keep going if we're in a relatively you know moderate inflationary environment. Um, it's still going to be a challenge to get positive NOI growth in the short term, but I, I th- yeah, it, it, it's it's possible. And and you know, this is just looking from past from past episodes. I, I said this last time the interest rates were above five percent. They kept them there for a year. Yeah. Um. So that's what we may be in for. We haven't even reached whatever peak of, of and and that's another thing I was going to mention is a lot of the conversations recently um are a lot different than they were last month. Last month it's like, well, okay, maybe we don't need as high of a rate hike, but now they're like, well, let's let's take it up. Maybe we need more. Um. So maybe they're expecting. Uh, yeah. And until we get again, interest rates can stay high. Just they just need to. Stay- they need the volatility is adding yeah. to the risk right now. The yeah. volatility on interest rates, once that comes into check, mm-hmm. that will at least allow the market to start the thaw so people can start to get deals done yep. and start factoring in the growth over the next period. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sh- that should hopefully align in a, of a time where we have a better idea of what growth may look like or if we are in a recession or entering a recession or if we've been able to get past whatever you know stick the landing or whatever kind of yeah. landing it may be but they need a little bit more certainty and even if there there's always uncertainty in the economy you could have the best economy i mean you could argue that there's a lot of great things about the economy right now it just mm-hmm. it's almost like it's too good but even when things are you know back in 2018 it's like when things seem to be doing just just fine i mean there's i can't think of a year during the last bull run which yep. is one of the better you know bull runs that people weren't you couldn't point to um a pending you know looming recession yeah, yeah. there's always one there, there's always one now the writing has been on the wall here because you know we've got we've had an inverted yield curve and a lot of other things but um I, i'm gonna deal with that it's just but like i gotta know what am i my yeah. debt service is going to be, and if mm-hmm. my my your loan proceeds get reduced by you know fifteen percent, and you lose a couple million dollars in your loan proceeds, and your interest rate increases, it just deals stop working, and you take so much risk in the middle of that process. You're spending money, you're making deposits that are often non-refundable. You're taking time. Um, you may have um, earnest money that's non-refundable. Um, so there's so much risk, and people know there's understand the risk. I mean, earlier last year. Um, you could, people were still in denial about interest rates moving. Yeah. And even though if you knew the interest rates were going to move, no one was ready for the speed at which they moved. Yeah. Um, and again, we've seen, we're seeing that again recently, whether it's the 30 year today or this last week, it's also been the or several weeks, the 10 year treasury moving mm-hmm. at three and a half. Now we're at 4%. 50 basis point move is huge. You're trying to do a deal right now. We were doing deals last year that 10 year treasury moved over a hundred basis points. Yeah. completely changes the deal man yeah so <laughs> and and it is interesting actually there was one there was a report um it might have been the, an office market report that i put in the newsletter that was like office market's not doing so great but at least the high interest rates will be sustained and we'll get some predictability um yeah. and there's some in yeah. in predictability you know you gotta you gotta convince the market a little bit uh that it's gonna be predictable yeah. uh, ex- exactly it's so much just convincing the market um I also want to just close putting a book out on the Federal Reserve piece, yeah. you know, that commercial real estate price index. And when the Federal Reserve talks about commercial real estate, um, a lot of times they're talking about office buildings. I mean, they're talking yeah. about the whole sector in general, but mm-hmm. office is, I mean, you're taking an average, I mean, I, I know they broke it down different asset classes. Mm-hmm. Um, multifamily still was projected to take um, a hit, but I mean, 
office is where you know yeah the, yeah a lot of the pain is let's move on to this msci report prices of u.s commercial property tumbled in january just what we were talking about but this yeah. is actual um, not predictions what's already happened apartment tumbled the yeah. apartment tumbled apartment was down what was it 4.6 percent yeah. from a year earlier and was down 2.8 percent just in one month um that i think that's a lot i think that this is uh this is sooner than i expected to have movement in in apartment prices like this considering you know it seems like these sellers aren't budging but but some of them are and this is a natural result and i think that it was I don't know if it was uh, a long time coming, um, but it is definitely a sign that uh, at least some people are bringing their prices down. Some people need to Well, in the state, I think is still is, is still very much lagging. And again, these are transactions that, you know, went out of contract, you know, a quarter plus, you know, or more, mm-hmm. more ago. You know, they, they closed in December and January. They're working on a midsummer. And, but, you know, just I'm going to say anecdotally, it's not 4.6. It, it's 10 to 15. Yeah, um, it could be ten, it, it could be twenty in some cases. Mm-hmm. Now there's not that there's not a ton of price discovery, but I can just tell you when we're looking at deals, we're mm-hmm. 15, 20 percent below what's typically being asked. And what's being asked is the price that we're trading a year ago. Yeah, and it's not like there are buyers jumping in and and, and winning the deals that we're you know bidding 20 percent under. Everyone's in a similar place mm-hmm. as we are. No one's no one's getting their ask right now. Yeah. So it, the, this is a little bit of lagging, which makes sense. Again, all the pricing data data is behind, and some of my pricing data is, is also like deals that don't go through. But it's it's I know what the I know what the the bids are and are not. Yeah. And they're not coming in at the you know low cap rates they were. Yeah. Um. It, I it, so I thought that that was definitely meaningful, and and because apartments were such a juggernaut. Um, even even through 2022, we in the middle of 2022, I I I found an old article last night. Um, before as I was making the newsletter, I was like, "What well, people were, people were calling the devaluation of the CRE market the minute that interest rates started rising." People saw this coming. They just didn't want a budge. No one wants a budge. They started, but they they're getting there. <laughs> well, you know, it reminds me, and I was thinking about this um, this morning on the drive-in, you know, it just, the whole idea of don't fight the Fed and, and real estate investors back in 2020 and 2021 were, were keen to say as a reason to invest is don't fight the Fed. They're lowering rates. They're telling us to buy assets, take on this debt. You know, it's time to do it. Don't just, don't, don't question it. Just do it. Yeah. Take on the debt. And now we're not listening. Now we don't want to listen to the Fed. Literally, the Fed's yeah, like yeah. real estate. You know, probably needs to be brung down a long lug, and you know, rates are going here, and and people are like, oh no, I'm still going to put a floating rate adjustable loan on it. Yeah, I don't believe they're like, I don't believe, I don't believe the Fed. They're not going, they can't. There's no way they can raise them that much. It seems crazy, and even though like they're they're communicating this is what we're going to do, yeah. like a dot plot. Here's like the here's the course, and, and but people are like, no, no, no. And now now it's now it's oh well, rates less than this now, but. Oh, rates will be lower near the end of the year. You know, the cap rates are going to come down. Yeah. And um, I, I just I think that those things, again, this comes to timing. Those things will happen eventually. I don't think they're happening this year. Yeah, I could be wrong. Again, back to me not being very good at timing things. But um, these industry, real estate is a slow yeah. moving industry. It's mm-hmm. a big, big boat. So like to turn it around so quickly and... Get every all the buyers um, That's, mindset. Yeah, 
like turn to realize what they have isn't worth what the, it was last year. And and that's wants what to be told back. Well, I was and I was thinking about and it's a little bit related to like multifamily starts versus single family starts. You know, there's going to be a lag indicator. There's going to be a little bit of a lag for multifamily. That's a big project. It's huge. For but residential, you know, for building a house, that's just one kind of one person. It's a little bit easier to stop on this, stop on a dime if yeah. things are going really well. Um, but yeah, that's a big machine. You may be forced to continue with a project because you've sunk so much cost and time and energy trying to get things approved, especially like kind of on on the development side, and then you find yourself on the wrong side of rates. Um, but Again, if you have a long enough time period, maybe you can, you know, figure out a way around that. Yeah. So sometimes maybe the cure for a, uh, for a something slow moving is to give yourself more time to deal with the things that a hundred percent definitely gives you a lot more options. Yep. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So I think that the stark numbers here for value apartment values, not unexpected. They're a little bit surprising. Um, but I think that there's, there's going to be more to come and it's going to be an opportunity, I think for, for investors and buyers. And I don't want to always put rose colored glasses on it because if you're holding existing assets and you're forced to sell this year, that's not great. Um, but if you do have time on your side and you are looking for opportunities, uh, the apartment list shows that, that, you know, it's not like rents are continuing to go down and I'm sure that we'll see as more, uh, uh, rent reports come along we'll see other signs of positive rent growth as we're entering into renting season so yeah is, is it going to be is it too little too late for for some of these folks because yeah. you know that's good but if you've also had your um you know, there's another study recently i think we featured it last month or last week of um, just breaking down all the increasing expenses um, yeah you know for for you know insurance is the biggest one mm -hmm. especially if you're in the sun but if you're in florida mm -hmm. you know insurance has just increased year over year considerably um turn costs are way 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 up payrolls up property taxes are up so you know when you look at actual you know the increases the, the rent growth well you know you're still that's that's good but it's not like you're adding to NOI, you're trying to yeah. recover from an, an NOI loss and N a negative NOI growth because mm. your expenses have increased so much. And then you've dealt with, let's say a month or a couple months of negative rent growth. So you're even further behind. You're, you're digging yourself out of the hole. And again, if you have time, you can continue to dig and, yeah. and, you might, and there's a good chance you're going to get there if you mm -hmm. do the right things. But if you have a loan expiring at the end of the year, you don't have that much time to dig. Yeah. And the more time is the more you're going to be wasted. Yeah. So, but yeah, a lot of this does actually blend into um into some of the apartment supply trends and um that that was another big topic that I that I found this week. Um multifamily permits and starts have both declined. Annualized rate of multifamily permitting essentially flat compared to December. Um multifamily starts fell 5.4% from last month. And then year over year, permitting for multifamily was down 4.1%, while starts were down 8.4%. Um, going straight to the source from the census shows that, oddly enough, uh, construction of two to four unit apartment buildings was up 26.1%, but that only made up 58,000 units. Still a rare category on the upswing. Everything else on the downswing, um, especially residential units, down like 20 some odd. I'll have to look at the numbers if I have them recorded here. Um, 40% less permits for for residential than uh than and 20 
7.3% less starts for single family homes than last year. Um, so yes, single family smaller and more reactive, I think, to the changing environment versus multifamily projects. Um, I think there are plenty of reasons to explain the lower numbers of these starts. So like, for instance, they've got to deal with labor shortages. They've got to deal with commodity prices and still like lingering supply chains where you're kind of hitting whack-a-mole. One problem comes up and another one resol is resolved. Um, but there's plenty of reasons why developers would uh, would maybe extend their timeline or or whether they have difficulty completing some of these projects. There's like 900 or some thousand units worth yeah, of multifamily. Some there's say, a backlog. Yeah, in the process. Well, yeah, I mean, one, it's buying more time. Two, yeah. it's like, well, we thought we had the financing figured out, and now we don't. Yeah. And so, again, can they can they kick the can down the road a little bit, thinking that conditions are going to get a little bit better? Or do they have to decide that this project isn't going to go forward right now? Yeah, right that's, now? that's a real tragedy. I wonder if, and there's a lot, there's a little bit of variation in the predictions for how much apartment supply is going to come into the market this year. You know, some people thinking 500,000, some people thinking 400,000. Well, with 932 or 971 units in construction, yes, it's going to be elevated, but I think it's not going to come all this year. I think it's going to be bled out over the next several years. Yeah. And, and it's because I think that the problem itself, this logjam itself is slowing things down because you're, you are having a larger pool of, of construction projects that are kind of sharing the resources uh, of what used to be a smaller pool, making yeah. all of them maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, but could, could be. Um, and, you know, but if the labor market tightens up, uh, well, if it loosens up and people are still want to build, maybe that's a good thing, but um, they all turn off at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That was another headline is there was like hundreds of thousands of jobs that would need that would be needed to to really ramp this construction up. People just aren't there, I don't think. Yeah, it's tough. It It is tough. Um, well, let's look at the Bercati's got a little report here, man. Yeah, yeah. This flows really smoothly um, because, you know, we're trying to pre trying to predict how long things are going to take, you know, is is going to be key to determining, uh, you know, when when this supply enters the market. And and one thing I, I'll note here is the this issue of supply. And I've seen one of the articles that I've that I kept coming across this week um, was this Wall Street Journal headline that it was apartment rents fall as crush of new supply hits the market. I think it could be true in some markets. I think it is a market by market phenomenon, but I'll deal with that in just a second here. Um, the Berkadia article is not necessarily a, a forecast of future apartment construction as much as, as it is a record of previous and current construction timelines. Timelines aren't as bad now as they were in 2021, but they're definitely majorly longer before almost five months longer than pre pandemic. Wow. I mean, that's, 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 considerable yeah yeah it's really it, it, it is really not 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 shocking but it's considerable True. and um and it extends you know it should ex extend some people's forecasting of how much supplies in the market um market bar market phenomenon i think is this is is it would be impossible for developers to say okay we are going to build units equally in all markets across the country that's that's just not how they think. I don't think that's really what they're interested in. Um, and yeah, even not, I mean, I mean, it's not. It wouldn't even be necessarily a good idea. Yeah. Either because it's one person's not going to know. 
Yeah, and and that's above. and that's the, uh, one of the keys. And, and I can think even, Marka knows even, sort of <laughs> at some level. <laughs> even Brocadi kind of market is better at than yeah, the yeah, one yeah, guy. Exactly. You can't. We can't buy tower. fiat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that's what I wanted to know here is like is developers they're going to pick the ones where they think demand is going to be high. Maybe they'll get it right. Maybe they they get it wrong. But but as uh, the past few years have gone by, that demand has been in the Sun Belt. Maybe, maybe new supply enters these markets and drives down demand. Then they find other markets to build. But they are, you know, kind of reacting to these to these things. And it's not like they not under an obligation, mm -hmm. but it's under you know profit motive, and that's where they think they may, they're making kind of a bet. Yeah. It's a very 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 educated bet, but they are um, they're taking well, on a little bit of risk. Well, and, and it's um, and everyone's taking a not everyone. Many parties taking the same or similar bets, yes. and they're just yes. and it's a good, it's the right idea. Again, it's a, yeah, you're you're, you're mm -hmm. right. The demand's there, but you know, there's only so much demand. You know, mm -hmm. if you oversupply it, you're not necessarily going to destroy demand, but there's not. And it, you can create some demand. Maybe you've got these new places. Yeah. Maybe it attracts some new residents because you got the coolest new building, and maybe someone decides to move from outside to the there in the suburbs or wherever they. It does attract them, mm -hmm. but really the demand is what the demand is. The demand is driven really more by jobs yeah. rather than supply. And then, but people are saying, okay, there's X demand, you know, my 200 unit apartment complex, it's going to be easily to absorb, mm -hmm. you know, because there's all this demand. There's an extra thousand units of, of absorption that's happening. Well, but now there's not just five other developers that are doing 200 units to meet that a thousand uh, units of extra absorption, but like there's 20. And so now all of a sudden you've got, you know, negative a thousand units of absorption. Yeah. No one, no one was wrong. Um, they just, it, maybe you just can't all be right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it just, it's going to take longer and that's where it is time. to absorb. Yeah. Yeah. And you can wait it out. And I think you mentioned this before. It's like, well, one of the markets in here. And, and this is implicitly, they make this argument that people are betting on the same markets. 23% of all new apartment supply is going into five markets. Yeah. One of those markets is Phoenix. Hasn't been doing great when it comes to rent growth. People are still building 12% of existing supply is under construction. Um, I'm sorry. The apartments under construction change. represent 12% yeah. of existing. Yeah, there's 46,000 units under construction representing a 12% change to the inventory. That is a, I, I haven't seen it that high in, in Phoenix recently. So this is, this is a relatively new number. Um, people are talking about Phoenix, 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 Phoenix. Um, it's a great market. It's got a ton of demand, but again, it's a situation and scenario we just, just, just mm -hmm. described. Everyone got excited about the demand story. Yeah. And the demand, it's, it still has an incredible amount of demand, but just the supply can exceed demand. And then it's going to get turned off and then yeah. demand's going to exceed supply again. And so mm -hmm. you have demand oscillating around this line of supply yeah. um, going in and out. So. And then the other markets. These are all markets with yeah. a ton of demand, except, I mean, yeah, all of these markets have a ton of demand. New York is interesting. It it's doesn't. Own, uh, New York's out on an island. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's so own, big. Literally, it, yeah. yeah. It's so big that it's that it gets on this list because of just the sheer size of it. But all the other ones are these Sunbelt hotspots. Exactly. Austin, Dallas, and Atlanta, and they're all building a lot. And it all could be some of these projects that represent this 14%, 14.6% of existing supply in Austin. Some of these projects were probably started in 20 could be 2020 when or oh, yeah or 2021 when at least what people were like oh yeah the sun button. and they they were it was a great idea then but now now i'll give you an example and then 
You know, the the building that, I mean, right next to our old office, um, right downtown in. Oh, yeah. And they're still working on that. Oh, man. Still working on that. And that was, I mean, they were really getting started mid-2020. Mm-hmm. It's 2023. Man. They're not done. Yeah. I mean, they're getting close, but they're not. it's not delivered. Do you want to scroll up to that same report? They have the specific amount of months, that first bar graph here, um, average construction timeline. So pre-2020 was... Um, 15, 15 months it took to, to make a, uh, a low rise building, uh, 20, about 20 months for a mid rise and about, let's say 24 months for a high rise. And, um, the peak was a little bit higher, but currently now we have a little over 30 months for a high rise, a little, uh, about 26 months, 26 or 27 months for mid rise and, um, about 23 months for a low rise building. Sounds about right. It, yeah, it's it, it really is. It, it doesn't it doesn't seem like, but that's not, those it, those months are adding up, and I and it it could get a little bit worse. Um, it has. What's interesting is it's gotten worse from last year. This first quarter in 2023 supposedly has these timelines longer than they were last year. Yeah. So it's. So who's to know? Who's to know? <laughs> I'll talk some develop more developers. Well, that's another thing. Well, and that's what I was going to say. It's like if these developers are. They are taking on a lot of risk, and I'm sure they've they've got a lot of very smart people there that are that are looking at these timelines and some looking of these at developers have just been making hand over fist the last couple of years too. So it's like they're like, all right, take a hit on one, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, everyone's in a different spot, yeah. but um, it's fascinating. Matt, this is an insightful episode of the Gray Report. Um, again, if someone's not signed up for the Gray Report newsletter, greatcapitalllc.com/newsletter. Um, you're going to be way more informed than even just listening to the podcast. All these articles, way more, more insights, all kinds of market information. Um, so hop on over, sign up. And, uh, you know, if, again, if you're watching the the video at this point, might as well subscribe, give us a like, okay. um, um, or a dislike, although that would not yeah. be as good. I would prefer the like, and then a comment. Yeah. Of being again, just let us know what you think. We appreciate it. We read them. Last and week, there was one about that disagreed about crime as a factor for apartment demand. That's fine. I'll take that. I'm, oh, yeah. I read that one, I, too. I may disagree. I think it's maybe more well, of a sub-market and neighborhood thing than characterizing yeah. a whole market, but... And I think we were saying that, because we were talking about Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and, and, and saying that there had to be something more than just the crime. Yeah. I don't think we were saying that it wasn't a factor, because it obviously was. Yeah, and, yeah, I agree. In the policies and all... Yeah, definitely crime and riots and unrest and protests, like, definitely, but... It's such an extreme, such an exodus that is there something else going on? Yeah. I think that's our only point. Yep. All right, everyone. Hope to see you in the next episode of The Great Report. Stick around and go to greatcapitalllc.com if you're a accredited investor to learn more about one of our upcoming investment opportunities. Who knows? We may have one Some someday. <laughs> we just close on a deal. So all is good. All right, everybody. Have a good one. See you next week.